let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times best-selling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. I'm your host, Ben Gothard, and today we have the honor of speaking with Pradeep Sangha. How are you doing today, Pradeep? I'm doing great, Ben. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic, and it is such an honor to be able to speak with you today. Thanks for carving out the time. Yeah, I appreciate it. appreciate the opportunity to be here on your show. Fantastic. So let's jump right in. I want to know, what is your story? Oh, wow. Where do I start? From so, the very uh, beginning. Yeah, Please. very beginning. So, so uh, my parents basically immigrated here from India, and I grew up in a small town in British Columbia, Canada. And my parents came here literally with $11 in their pocket. And what they had was work ethic. And outside of that, they didn't have very much education. So they started working on an orchard. And that's pretty much how I grew up. I was literally, you could say, born and raised on an orchard. I still remember when my parents would pick apples, they would put my brother and I in an apple bin while they were working. And you could say that we, my brother and I, at a very early age, learned the importance of work ethic, working hard, and trying to get stuff done and making things happen, even though you don't have a formal education. So my parents weren't book smart, but they were super smart when it came to other things in terms of how do you find solutions to problems. And so that's kind of how I grew up. I remember nine years old, I, that was when I really physically started working. I would get up at four o'clock in the morning, go to work, work 12 hour days, seven days a week, sometimes throughout the summer. Uh, my wife laughed because she's like, you know, it's kind of like slave labor or child labor at that time, isn't it at that age? And I'd say, yeah, but you know, I learned so much growing up in that environment. And the other benefit that I had, you could say, growing up on an orchard is the mindfulness component because I would get up, see the sun rise, I would hear the birds chirp. I would be around nature, trees all the time, seeing the, the trees bloom, the flowers bloom, the, the fruit grow. And so it was just an amazing childhood from that perspective. Yes, it was tough, but it had so many positive benefits. And then my parents eventually bought their own orchard and they grew from there. But along the journey, they said, pretty, we don't want you to have to work as hard as we did. So you have the opportunity to go to school and get an education, so do it. So that's basically what I did. I was a hardcore academic, you can say, and then uh, went into the corporate world. And I was in the corporate world for 14 years and I, I worked my way up. I became a successful executive. I was a considered a go-getter. I was the go-to guy, had built a reputation for myself for getting things done. And you could say I was, I lived that, that ideal life on paper that seemed really great. Uh, 
right? I had a beautiful wife. I had a young child at that time. I had a great career. I would travel the world, but I was not happy. I wasn't happy with who I was as a person, as a human being, as a as a husband, and even as a man, more importantly, because I, I was living this life that I felt like it was great, but it was almost like it wasn't authentic to myself. Mm. And looking back on it, I know for a fact that it was a life that I thought other people wanted me to live. And so what that did was it created a whole bunch of imbalances in me internally. And a lot of people feel this. They just don't know how to react to it or how to deal with it. So I literally just walked into work one day and I quit cold turkey. Everybody thought I was crazy. The people at work thought I was crazy. My family, my parents thought I was crazy. They're like, you have everything made for you. Why would you give this up? And my ultimate career path at that time was to be a CEO of a major corporation. And uh, I had done, you could say I led every major division in a multi-billion dollar organization from marketing to sales to back office administration operations. And so I had a intense and extensive knowledge of business operations, uh, but I just, it wasn't for me. I have a entrepreneurial spirit. I was doing stuff on the side and then I quit. And then a couple of weeks after I quit, I said, oh my God, like, what did I just do? And so I just literally burned all bridges because it was a very, you can say the executive world where I can't come from was everybody knows each other. And as I made that move, I kind of burned bridges. So I, I was coaching entrepreneurs on the side. It just so happens entrepreneurs and business owners, just from reputation, people say, Pradeep, you know, you've done so well from, from a corporate perspective, how, you know, can you help us grow our business? And just, you know, kind of like a, a side thing, that's what I would do. And, and I, when I got out of the corporate world, that's what I figured I would want to do full time because I love helping people. I was a personal trainer at 17. So helping people transform their lives is really in a, is part of my life. That's who I am. That's what I love doing. That is what I'm meant to do and born to do, you can say. And so I, that's what I did. And as I started to coach individuals, I soon realized that, A, one thing is that a lot of business owners don't have the knowledge and the skills to run a business effectively. And B, as I started coaching them more and more, I was doing more coaching on what I call the self-mastery skills than actual business strategies and tactics. Because I can give someone strategies and tactics, but if they're not at the level where they need to be, then it, it doesn't really help them at all. So it just so happens one of my passions, and I've been studying this for years and really working with people is from a leadership psychology and neuroscience and a mindfulness perspective. So all of that I've really combined into a formula, what I call the, you know, I, I like to call it the winner's formula, is, which is really taking in those different components of your mindset, your emotions, and your energy, because they all work together and helping people get to that level. Because I, I come across a lot of entrepreneurs that have read books and we talk about this concept of mindset a lot or emotional intelligence, but those are what I call point improvements. People don't realize it's all a system. So just by reading a book on mindset is not going to help you. It may make you, you know, a little bit more successful and a little bit more aware but it's like an entire ecosystem that we have. And so that's kind of what I help entrepreneurs with. And that's really my passion. And I, and you could say I, I kind of fought it at first because I came from the business world and I, I was trying to help entrepreneurs on the business side, but then it soon, uh, it just kind of kept going pretty, you got to help them on the self mastery business strategies and tactics. I still do. And that's still part of the coaching, but it's really getting them to that level. And then it just narrowed down from there 
where here's here's where the state is in terms of men. So about 16 years ago, I had challenges with my childhood sweetheart. I was absolutely in love with her. I was just totally infatuated. And when we broke up, I was torn apart. I was literally just in pieces. And I tried to figure out at that time, okay, why did our relationship go sideways? What didn't work? What was I doing that was contributing to it? Why didn't I step up? And what was she doing? And at that time, I started learning about relationships and relationship psychology and the differences between men and women. And I sought out some of the top psychologists and I started studying this. And there was a trend. The psychologists were telling me at that time, pretty watch how society is changing. Men are changing. Women are changing. Now, it's pretty obvious today, but it wasn't 20 years ago. Um, and so right now, men are in a situation specifically where a lot of men don't know how to be men. And we have a concept out there. We hear talk about this whole toxic masculinity thing. And a lot of men are afraid to be men. And so the work that I do at the Male Entrepreneur is specifically for men because men are in a challenged time right now. There are record high suicide rates for men in certain age groups. We have 55% of children in the U.S. growing up without their fathers. We have higher levels of anxiety and depression per capita. It's, it's just a sign that society is not doing so well right now and especially men. And that's kind of my forte. That's my passion because ultimately I know that if men are more successful in, in their business and happier with themselves, then they're better husbands and better fathers. Because I also, in seeing my father as an entrepreneur raise us, he was an amazing father. He was always there for us. I never once thought he, he wasn't, he always made us a priority he, he was a workaholic that's because he had to provide for his family and he was also he suffered from alcoholism and so he didn't have an avenue he didn't have a place to go to really talk about his challenges so I saw him suffer for years and years and years and that played a toll on how he raised us as well because there were times where he behaved in ways that he probably shouldn't have but looking back he just didn't have any other avenue so Last year, I lost my father. He died from a, a sudden heart attack. And his goal, his ultimate goal, his vision was to get to 65 and kind of take his foot off the gas and say, I've made it. He was still going to keep the business going. But he just, that was his milestone to say, hey, look, I made it. I raised a happy and successful family and I did it. And now I can just live my life. But he died at 64 and a half. And so I see so many men struggling in silence today. I see many men trying to blast it and just kind of tough it out because that's how we're raised, right? That's how we're, how we're supposed to be. Or society tells us we're supposed to be tough and not seek help, for example, do it on our own. And so these are all challenges that I see men face and they don't need to. The reality is, is that there's a lot of resources, there's skills available for them if they choose to take it and actually make their lives a lot easier so they can, what I call, win in business and life. So they can have that business. They can make the money they want to make, have that relationship with their children and be, and, and be happy and more fulfilled in life. And we have, we have a society right now where we also have a lot of men in leadership positions that are not making us look any better, that are really bringing us down as you know as as a sex they're just not doing us any favors and so my ultimate mission 
is really to help men be mindful alpha males, which is really, you know, you have to be a leader in society. You have to be a leader in your family, but you have to be, do it in a mindful way where you're actually aware of everything around you and you're doing things to help not only yourself, but others as well. So ultimately that's, that's kind of my story. That's my mission. That's my passion. And I'm totally adamant about it. I'm, I'm, I'm out there 110% and that's my focus. I believe I heard you were talking about a lot of men are confused as to, as to, you know, how men should act or how men should be. Um, and, and then you talked about being a mindful alpha male. So it seems like there's, uh, or it, it seems like you're kind of coming from a place of, okay, the, we do have an idea of what, you know, what or who a man should be. And I'm interested to learn what your ideology is there. Like, like, like what is the, uh, you know, the, the ideal um, male that, that we should as, as guys aspire to be. Yeah. So that's a great point. So I think it's different for every single person, but ultimately it's ideal where, first of all, the guy needs or the person you need to be fully confident in who you are as an individual. So be authentic and be confident in who you are and live the life that you want to live, not what you think everybody else wants you to live. And we see a lot of people and a lot of guys living that. That's first of all. The second is having what I call mindfulness and being aware of what's around you. And ultimately that's being present in the moment. And that is, that's being able to live to your fullest potential. And, not, and I'm not talking about, so there's a difference between being happy with your circumstances and there's a difference between not being happy with your circumstances. So I'm not saying that anybody needs to go out there and make a lot more money or needs to achieve more. But if inside your heart, you're feeling like it's not enough for you, like there's something more you can achieve out of life, then you know, then you don't want to settle for mediocrity or the average. You want to step up, right? And take that risk. And so the ability to take that risk is important because a thousand years ago, Ben, men were fighting and fighting to the death, right? And that's when men were real men. Now, I don't agree with all the war and all those challenges, but that's when men were really men because they stood up for what they believed in. And today, that is one of the biggest things. And I, I, can, I can tell you uh, some teachings from my, uh, the men in my family. My grandfather was in the army for 30 plus years. My dad was also an ex-cop. And so... They, my, my grandfather told me one thing, you know what? He actually taught me two things, very valuable. He said, anybody can take the money away from you. They can actually take your certifications away from you. They can take your home. They can take your family members. They can even take the shirt off your back. The one thing they cannot take away from you are your values. So live true to your values, have strong values. Do not weigh or sway on your values. And so that is one of the key components of being a mindful alpha male as well identify your values and live to them day in and day out and defend them regardless of who comes after them. The other one is being true to your word. And I think this is a real challenge right now is that whatever you say, your word is your bond. That's how people used to work back in the day. That's how people used to do business. And so being that integrity or having that integrity is very important. That's another component. So I hear a lot of people have mixed uh, reviews or thoughts of this concept of alpha male 
which the concept of alpha has actually been misconstrued. Alpha from the Latin meaning is really beginning. It means creation. That is a point of creation. And so if you are an alpha male, that means you are creating your destiny. You are creating your future. You're not letting anybody give you the circumstances. This is, you're actually creating your own. And that's the most important thing because you don't have to be out there in terms of the most popular person out there. You don't have to be an influencer on social media, but you definitely need to be the alpha of your family because your family looks up to you. That's how your children look up to you. They need to have that confidence in you, right? Your, your spouse, your partner needs to have that confidence in you. So those are all components of it. Now there's a delicate balance between the mindfulness because I, you know, I, I work a lot of spirituality in, in this as well, because it is, we are here for a higher purpose. And part of that higher purpose is helping other individuals. That is the most important thing that we can do is if we focus on helping each other, this world will be a lot better place. And it just so happens, especially with social media and everything that's out there today, that a lot of us are focused on ourselves and what we don't have. And so we need to get out of that mindset because we're constantly thinking about how we screwed up in the past or what we need to achieve in the future. Very few of us really live in the here and now. And that's where we have the biggest impact as men, as women, whoever we are, that's where we have the biggest impact. So it's really about not only creating change, Ben, but it's really about living authentically and not, not just living with the average or mediocrity, but stepping up, but also being present because you don't need to be that absolute go-getter and hustle and grind. That's one of the terms that I do not like because it really puts people in a bad situation. I've seen a lot of men and women suffer from this whole concept of you got to hustle, you got to hustle and you grind. And you go, I've seen them go through majority of their life doing that. And they have really nothing except for money at the end of the day to show for it. So in a long story short, that's, that's my perception or conception basically of what it means to be a mindful alpha male. I, I want to share a, share with you some, some thoughts that, um, you know, I was watching this, this Ted talk and this gentleman was talking about what an alpha male looks like. And I think it was chimpanzees. Mm. And, you know, I, of course, that gentleman was uh, was presenting it way more eloquently than than I am right now. But he was basically saying throughout that study, it wasn't the biggest, most physically uh, dominant male who was the alpha. It was actually the ones who deployed the most empathy and who worked with all of the other males, who worked with all the other females, who worked to you know, to actually be more of a community driven leader. That's who ended up being the alpha male more times than not. And, and significantly so in, in that study, um, you know, so, so it's interesting that the, the term alpha male is kind of, it's become very charged lately. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a, in, in some ways it's kind of become a toxic word and, and there's a lot of negativity attributed to attributed yeah. to it. Um, so, you know, I want to I ask you, um, because you talked about values and you talked about uh, we need to get individually clear on our values and hold true to them. I believe, I believe you're saying that. Um, so kind of a twofold question for you. The first is, um, what are your values? 
And the second is, I see a lot of people, especially people who are who are younger like me, they struggle to identify the values that are the most important to them for a variety of reasons. So the, the, the first question, what are your values? The second part uh, or the second question would be, how would you advise people who are struggling to get clear on those values to really get the clarity that, that they need? Mm-hmm. So the really great questions there. So the first one is values change at different times of your life. So be aware of that because your values today may not be the same in 10 years, or they may not be the the values that you had five years ago. So they will definitely change. I know that for a fact. In terms of my personal values, my personal values, I know them very clearly, are love, contribution, passion, and growth. Those are my top values and include in part of that is really family as well. So those are my top values and I live those day in and day out and at times, and I can tell you when I was in the corporate world, this is why I had a struggle. If you're not being aligned with your values, you will struggle. You will feel like something's not right. So if, you, if, you, if you're feeling that right now, more likely than not, your values are not aligned. You don't have them actually outlined or you have some kind of, you're not living to those values. You have those, like ideally you, you might have a value of contribution, for example, but let's just say you keep making up excuses that you don't have time to help someone or you don't have the money to donate to this cause. And that will call, that will create internal unrest because you do value it, but you're not living to those values. And the other component is really conflicting values because here's something that I had to discover is that money was never on my high on my values list. It's actually number six, which is wealth and abundance but it was never on my top 10 list. And that's how I lived. And I realized that although I was making real good money, I never really had wealth and abundance, you could say. And so I had to sit down and say, because, you know, I'm like, I was looking, I was just not clear in terms of, okay, I'm, I'm doing all the things right. Why don't, have, why don't I have the level of abundance that I want? And it became very clear because it's not on my values list. And so as soon as I put it on my values list, it didn't have to be number one, but it had to be on my list. Things completely changed. My life completely changed. And so the order of importance for things for me changed. So here's what I, you know, here's the four P's that I like to follow is really purpose leads to passion, which leads to priorities, which leads to progress. If you follow that, that will help you in your life. And that comes from your values as well. Your second part, which was really around, okay. So if you don't know your values, How do you figure them out? Well, the first thing is you can actually go online and actually take a look, values list, and actually Google it and actually print them off and say, hmm, out of of these 50, 40, whatever they are, circle the top 10. And what resonates with you the most? And if nothing is on the list that you see that you actually truly hold a value, then add that as well. And then what you need to do is you need to go through an exercise where it's process of elimination, which is really determining the hierarchy what is most important and be real with yourself because what you can do is have your current values list and then create your ideal state or time value list. So if today it's not on your list, you can put it on for it to be on your list tomorrow and actually live to that and work to that because once you're conscious of it and you actually look at your values every day, which is very important, I encourage everybody to look at their values every day if you don't know them off by heart because that dictates how you make decisions throughout the day. So that's how you kind of outline it. And it's not perfect. 
I think this is the most important thing is it's organic. It will change and you will experience things in your life where you will have to shift them just by, just by sheer circumstances. For example, family, as soon as I found out that my wife was pregnant, not that she wasn't high on my priority list, but it jumped that much higher when I found out that, yeah, we were going to be parents. And so things changed. Like we, our whole thing changed where I was like, I automatically got more life insurance. You know, we changed our will. We did a whole bunch of all these other things because our priority, our values changed. So that is what's going to happen to you throughout your life as well. I think that's so tremendously insightful. And by the way, you and I share a lot of, uh, a lot of similar values that are, that are very important. Um, You know, family has always been number one for me. Um, But, but, I love what you said about how it's not going to be perfect. And one thing that I think is very similar to that when, when you're deciding on your values is this is an example, like an investment strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Your investment strategy is going to change over time or, or it may change over time. But if you don't even try then, and you don't have any strategy at all, then life is going to dictate to you what happens and you're going to have a strategy, but you're not going to be the one to choose it. Mm -hmm. So like, I I think it is very analogous to if you're not going to choose the values that are most important to you consciously, intentionally, either subconsciously you're going to choose them or somebody else is going to choose them for you. And and I think it is so powerful um, to to actually choose those. I I think it's profound. Yeah. It's, it's, It's amazing because you get to choose your life. You get to create the life that you want. I think this is the thing that everybody needs to understand is that you are not a product of your circumstances. You are a product of yourself, what you want out of life, what you create out of life. And so once you acknowledge that, once you understand that, then it becomes a game. Then life really becomes fun. And then you start to see things actually come to you versus you having to struggle to get to it. So that's how life changes once you have everything figured out from that perspective, because, and I'm not the one that came up with this. There was a great saying that said, you know, you have to be the CEO of yourself. You can be the CEO of your company, but you have to be the CEO of yourself. You have to treat yourself as an organization as well. What would you do in this circumstance? You know, what are your values? What is your purpose, right? What is your mission statement in life? Those are all important. I totally agree. Totally agree. And, and I also think it's it's important to talk about the fact that th- this isn't like a one-time thing where you just you make a decision and then bam, like it's that that's it, and then you never. It's it's a long-term process, at least in my opinion. And and, and I'd be interested, very interested to, to hear your opinion. But again, I liken it to investing. The people who are in it for the long term there they you you can make more rational decisions you have more information you can make better uh, you, you can just choose better paths to go on and just because something's not exactly where you want it today doesn't mean that you're not able to grow into that and to build upon it and compound your success over the long term to get to where you want to go. Yeah, great points, Ben, because I think just so many people are afraid of getting it wrong because they think it's set in stone. And if I decide to do this, then this is what if I screw up? And that's, you know, 
it's analysis or paralysis by analysis. It happens to every single person. So I, it, this has to be a fun exercise because life is fun if you treat it that way. So I, I joke around because in business, when I sit down with people and I say, okay, put your three-year strategy together, I make them put down a three-year strategy, knowing very well that that three-year strategy will change. And I tell them that three-year strategy, you're probably going to throw out the window in a year and a half because it will change and you have to revisit it every single year. And so just like a business, you should do that yourself. If not every single, every semi-annually or every quarter. And I sit down and I do a thorough analysis on myself every quarter and say, where am I? Am I aligned? Am I still going the right track? And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, every single quarter it changes. But the most important thing is, is having a direction, is having a path for two reasons. One is it gives you more clarity because clarity or lack of clarity is one of the biggest challenges that men and women face today. So clarity is very important. The second is it gives clarity to others. So we are not a one man or one woman show. And so if we don't know our direction, if we don't have our strategy plan, how is anybody else going to help us? That is the most important thing because I'm hoping that you're building teams or team members as you're going through life in your business and in your personal life, because that's how you really become successful is you have other people on your team. And you need to have a strategy, a clear strategy, so other people understand you. They know your direction. And I can tell you, so for my strategy, when I talk to people about my mission and helping men and be very cognizant in terms of my, my purpose and why I'm doing this and why I'm doing it very boldly is to actually give the statement to other people that want to follow, that want to help in this mission. And so I have a number of people that say, you know what, you're the only guy that really talks about this kind of stuff. We want to help you. And that's only because I put that strategy down to say, I'm going to be very bold. I'm going to talk about this. And so that allows other people to get on your side and help you out. So those are the two reasons why any person, every person should have it. I love that. I'm interested to learn about your quarterly uh, self-check or, or your quarterly uh, re recalculation, if you will. Um, what does that process actually look like for you? Yeah, it's great. So I sit down and I take the entire day and I go through my goals and I go through and I say, okay, where am I at in terms of my goals? I also take a look at my values and I also take a look at three other components because as I mentioned before, we are made up of three things. We experience this world of three things through our thoughts, through our emotions and through the energy that we have. And so I, I just quickly, you know, this isn't, I don't get into super detail, but I go down and say, okay, how have my energy levels been over the last quarter? How have my thoughts been? Have my emotional checks, for example, am I feeling the emotions that I want to feel? Am I being joyful? Am I, am I being light, you know, light spirited, for example, or am I stressed out? So it's very simple in terms of that is go through my goals, go through my values list. And I also go through things like my beliefs. So what are my top three beliefs in terms of who I am and what I'm here to do, as well as my identity? So every person should be aware of their identity. And it's very simple. My identity is I'm a visionary, I'm a leader and a driver. Am I, I did it within the last three months. Did I live up to these three things? And then all it is is simply course correction. It's not a beat up session. It's a constructive session where I say, okay, I kind of got sidetracked on this, or I wasn't getting the, the results on this side. I got to step it up on this side. Or maybe I just need to take a vacation because I'm a little bit too high strung right now. 
And that's all it is. It's simple. It's not meant to be a, like a very vigorous thing where I kind of dread it. It's not like a year end review. It's one of those things where it's just meant to be fun. And it's actually great. You know, when people get into the rhythm of this, it actually becomes fun. It's not fun when you're not achieving, right? That's a challenge. And a lot of people are not achieving. And that's why they don't want to tackle this task or have these self uh, questions or actually review themselves is because they're not achieving what they want to achieve. And, but once you start achieving, that's when it becomes fun. But don't discount it when you're not achieving because that's what's going to help you achieve. And so that's it's just human nature. We avoid things that are not fun. And by avoiding them, we are not doing ourselves any favors. We're doing ourselves, we're setting ourselves for disadvantages actually at the end of the day. I love, I love that. I really, really love that because setting setting goals and, and, and getting your value straight and having an identity is very clear to you and, and having clarity in all of those things. That's so empowering because you don't have to wake up every day confused. Like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Where am I going? Cause that's stressful. Like yeah. nobody, nobody needs that, but to, to just have clarity, that is not only very empowering, I mean, just the inner peace that you get from that clarity. It's like, ah, you just like relax and, and, and then you can move forward and you can make that progress. I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, it's great because this is the ultimate thing. And this is what I try to teach men how to do specifically is if you can think, if you can feel, if you can act and you can be the man that you want to be, then it doesn't matter if you hit your goal or not. You're still content, just like you said. You're still happy. You're still joyful. It's such an amazing feeling when you don't hit your target, yet you still feel awesome, right? And that's where we're trying to get because so many people are, are achievement focused and we've, we've swayed. We've swayed from, our, a lot of people have swayed from their values. Now, success is, is, has been equated to the money that you make. And it's very prevalent these days. Well, it's not because joy is a part of, of success, right? Peace, inner peace is a part of success. Content is a part of success. Those are all components because we can make as much money as we want in the world. If we don't have the emotions that come along with it, it's, it's honestly next, it's, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. And I work with a lot of men that are very successful, make a lot of money every single year, year in and year out, yet they're not very happy. I think that's profound. And, you know, I, I just want to share a quick anecdote just from my life in, in the last 12 months, right? I, I turned 24 last October 22nd of uh, 2018. Awesome. And on my birthday, I have started looking at like my, my yearly goals, my three-year goals, my, you know, lifetime goals, of what I want to achieve before um, this human experience uh, ends probably. I don't. I don't know. Not getting into that, um, or or maybe we'll. But anyways, one of the goals that I set for this twelve months was I would because I'm I'm an author and I have a few books published. I wanted to become a best selling author. Awesome on Amazon, right? That was my goal. It's like I understand Amazon. I love the platform. Let's do it. Literally, 
within three or four months of setting that goal, it happened. And, and I'll tell you this, right? I wasn't searching for it yeah. that hard at all. Like I wrote the goal down. It was just in my mind, just, you know, somewhere in the, in the ethereal. And for whatever reason, the opportunity just, you know, it, it, it presented itself. And I was like, I know what I need to do. And between that idea popping into my mind, recognizing the opportunity and actually achieving that, that accolade, which, you know, it's, it's not the, the coolest thing in the world, but to me, it was a very big and meaningful deal, right? That happened within a, a week. I mean, it was crazy cool, right? <laughs> so like, the, the, like setting those goals, I think, it, I think one of the powerful things about it is that it puts you on a different level of consciousness that allows you to recognize the opportunities that correspond to those goals. So, you know, if you, if you set yourself here and like you want to achieve that, but if you're down here, you won't see the opportunities that will allow you to get to this. But if you set yourself here and you're trying to get here and then you recognize it here, then you can get it. Yeah. I love that. I, that that's awesome. That's such a, it's a brilliant example too, because it is true. And so congratulations on achieving that. That's wicked. Well, well, thank you. I wasn't wasn't trying to toot my horn. Just just trying no, to uh, you know, give the example. Give the example. Um, but but thank you very much for that. Um, you, you mentioned spirituality, and I would love to learn more about your spiritual practice and and what that actually looks like. Yeah. So my my spiritual practice. So I talk a lot about modern mindfulness. So my spiritual practice is twofold. One is I believe that we're all spiritual beings. And so if you take a look at quantum physics, it actually supports that, that we are made up of space and energy. And that's no one can really deny that because that's been proven by science. So again, we're really one consciousness that have come here in this. You talked about this human experience. That's exactly how we are. So I don't let it stop there, though, because we are also human beings. We are in a physical form. This is how we live. And I think there's a balance there between the two because we have to feed ourselves as physical beings, as human beings, and then we also have to feed our spirit. So ultimately, we are here to experience life to the fullest, right? That's why I'm here. That's why you're here is to be happy souls and to enjoy it, to have fun. You know, and this is where money, this is where we you know, talk about sex. We talk about a whole bunch of different things really come into play. It's not taboo. It's part of life. That's part of our experience. We're here to enjoy it. You deserve it. You deserve to live the best life that you can ever live. And on top of that, from a spiritual perspective, also understand that we're here to contribute to the overall good of other people. And that's the most important thing. So I, rather than getting into the spirituality and how our how energy works, how consciousness works, how awareness works, uh, I try to, I talk to people about that and I get into that. I don't know if we need to get into that from uh, for the listeners here, but it's really twofold. You have to have that balance because a pure spiritual being wouldn't be here on earth in this form. And so there's and a, a human being there. There's more to this because science has shown that we are more than just matter. We are energy and we are all connected. And you talk about manifest, you know, you talk about manifesting, right? That's essentially what it is. And this is what we're taking a look at. And the more and more science gets into it, 
is that energy is possibility. That's essentially what they've equated it to. That's now they're starting to be their new definition. If you ask them what energy is, it's possibility because energy can make anything happen. And so this has now been shown from a health perspective as well for our cells in terms of what meditation can do, what thought patterns can do, what emotions can do, how our cells vibrate at a specific frequency, how disease is a certain frequency um, out of the norm when it comes to our cells. These are all things that now science is starting to prove. And so we, all of that ancient wisdom and knowledge that we had in the past is now coming to fruition. People are starting to believe it a little bit more now because there's some backing there. But ultimately, my explanation would be you're here to live life to the fullest and experience everything that you want to experience, which is possible just by sheer science and quantum physics and through consciousness. It's just that we put our blocks on it. We allow other people to put filters on what we want. We hold ourselves down based on society. So there's so many things that ultimately we have what we call resistance, right? And if we didn't have any resistance, we would be living it would be like almost instant manifestation just like you said you know it took you a week you know it could be a lot faster if we didn't have that internal resistance so that's my take on spirituality uh, is ultimately living helping others and being part of an overall consciousness i love that so clearly you've done a lot of work both personally and, and professionally in a variety of different fields I want to talk a little bit more about uh, about your your uh, biopsychological research and really what the like what the the limits are of our knowledge as people or or maybe the the extent of your research into like the the optimal performance or just being the best that we could possibly be. Oh, okay. Well, where do I solve? Ultimately, we could be, how do I say it? We, there is no limit. That is ultimately it. There is no limit. So the more we take the resistance away from our thought is when we start to see people achieving more. It's not so much the science proving it now. It's that people are allowing themselves to think more freely. And so there's stories, historical stories that people hear about that uh, ancient people like Jesus, for example, have done these are these incredible feats and people didn't understand it and people couldn't describe it. There's no video to prove it, but that's slowly where we're, where we're getting back to is trying to explain that in scientific terms. So our optimal performance, if that's what you're asking, we, there's people out there that eat very little, for example, physical food, but they have enormous amounts of energy because they have different sources of energy. And if you take a look at the research, when it comes to, Meditation, for example, 12, only 12 minutes a day can actually change your neuroplasticity of your cells, change how your cells fire, how they bind together, how they disconnect in terms of the diseases that you might have. So certain cells in DNA will actually be shut off based on your meditation practices. Uh, I can tell you myself, and I think every person has almost experienced this, is that when you are in that state of flow, in that state of genius, is when you get your best ideas, is when you have these uh, you can say um, whether it's hallucinations or whatever they are that you can actually start to see things outside of the norm. And so these great geniuses like Newton, for example, and, and, you know, all of these people that are astronomically smart have been able to tap into this genius, this force, this universe uh, 
that some people are able to do if you take the stress away from them. And that's the most important thing that's plaguing society today is stress. And so that is our limiting factor is stress and fear. If we take that away, we can actually accomplish anything. But to go into deeper into what you're talking about, and I'm going to do it from a systematic perspective, because a lot of people don't understand spirituality, consciousness and awareness, and a lot of people don't want to, they don't believe in it. But from a science perspective, here's, here are three things. This is how you experience the world. You cannot argue this. You think, you feel, and you have energy, and you, which energy is a sense. And so no one can deny that as, you're, as a living being, being, you don't have energy. Why? Because when you die, you don't have energy. You're dust, you're dirt, you turn into nothing. But when you're alive, you're actually giving off energy, you're absorbing energy, and it's measurable. You cannot deny that. You have feelings. You know that. You feel that. You cannot deny that. You have thoughts as well. It's an ecosystem together. Here's what happens with most people, Ben, is that most people are misaligned in two of those three areas. Is they're misaligned from an energy perspective. For example, there's three main things I focus on. There's other components, but here are three things. Being present, how you focus, how you take your attention away from focus through meditation and mindfulness, and whether you have masculine or feminine energy at any given point in time. If you learn to focus on those three things, you will maximize your energy levels. And that energy level will actually spike through the roof if you can do that. And then if you can do that, you can focus on your thoughts and your mind as well. Here's what happens. A lot of people try to think their way th to things, but their emotions are not following them. Their energy levels are not following them. And how many times have we gone and we said, we're going to do this and we're going to achieve this. I'm going to, I have this goal and I'm going to achieve it. But we're just, we just drained of energy or we just burn ourselves out. And that's one of the components. Or we tell ourselves through affirmations and we incantations, we say, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm this, but our emotions aren't showing it. So anytime we're off in any one of those three areas, it does not create alignment. So think of it as straight up and straight down. If you cannot see me, if you're just listening, and if anyone, that, that stick is bent. And if it's bent, you're not getting the maximum force. And it's and I, what I call is inner force. We talk, you know, people have seen the movie Star Wars, for example, or the Karate Kid. What are all those depictions about? It's a depiction about an internal energy, an internal force. And when you tap into, you become unstoppable. You, you get this genius in you. You become ultimately physically powerful. You manifest things. That is your inner force. In order to achieve it, you have to align your energy, you have to align your thoughts, and you have to align your emotions. Get that down packed and watch how your life completely changes. But here's, here's a caveat to that. You will never always be perfectly aligned because there's always challenges in life. And so it's not a perfect straight stick. You have to, you know, it's going to continue to wave. There's going to be bends in it. But you got to try to keep it as straight as you can, that alignment as straight as you can. Because you are going to be hit with circumstances, guaranteed. It's just how you deal with them. And so that is the main component. And that's really what I help people do is, again, as I mentioned, people read books on mindset or they read books on emotional intelligence, yet they're still in the same place. It's because it's an ecosystem. It's not a point improvement. You work on all three together. That's when things really start to change. I love that. And I love at the end when you're talking about how it's always going to be in, in constant flux, but it, but that's where we come in 
And yeah, it probably takes a lot of initial work to get in a good state and, and get in a good set of parameters. But then you still have to maintain it mm-hmm. and, and you still have to deploy, I would imagine, some energy in order to or some effort in order to to keep it in a, in a nice balanced uh, man or, or, or a nice balanced way. I love that. That's absolutely hugely powerful. So, you know, I, I want to be very respectful of your time and uh, you know, I'm very grateful for the time that, that you've shared thus far. I just have a couple more questions for you. Then, then absolutely. We'll Fire away. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, your research and your history and your work and a lot of these very profound insights um, that, that you've gained on your journey. But what's, what what questions are you working on now? What are the what are the things that you are still looking for? Like, you know, the 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 outer limits of of what you're still trying to solve, what you're still trying to figure out and ponder. Wow, yeah. Great question. It's a really great question. I can say the biggest thing that I'm trying to figure out right now and get more details on is really the the flow between feminine and masculine energy. And that is my biggest thing right now, because in time, in this time, this current time right now, we have a battle between the two. We have a battle that's happening and it's very evident. We have the Me Too movement. We have toxic masculinity. We have people, I'm not going to name names, certain individuals in powerful presidential positions that are fighting back. And so we have this, this battle between the two energies. So one of the things I'm trying to figure out from a spiritual, scientific, psychological perspective is really how do we balance this out? from a society perspective, because both men and women need each other. And it's not this game. It's not this, hey, look, we don't need you. We're independent. Or, hey, look, we're stronger. or We're better than you. That's not how. So that's my personal question mark right now. Spiritually, I understand what it is, the energies, right? And how they, it's, there's always polar opposite energies. And there's always not a battle, but a back and forth. But how do we do that? Because so I'm aware of these energies and I'm very mindful of these energies. And that's how I live my life. Not everybody is. And I wish everybody was because they would have happier, better relationships, be better parents as a result, better leaders. And so that's one of my questions is how do I get this word out there faster, more effectively to people so they can understand ultimately, and we can start changing this world for the better. That's one question. The second question, which actually worries me, is the impact of artificial intelligence. And so this is where we, uh, my personal opinion, is that we're borderline maybe pushing the limit too far in terms of our abilities as people, because there's a fine line between super intelligence, artificial intelligence, and the human beings and where, what our place is. And so from a spirituality perspective, like, you know, if we take a look at it, it makes sense. Everything is numbers and digits and empty space and artificial intelligence is the exact same thing. So we are ultimately part of artificial intelligence. But if we create something, what is that going to do to us? Is that going to impact consciousness as a whole? Um, Is it going to have, is it human species going to be extinct? Is it going to benefit us? My worry, and I'm being very open and honest, is that we have people leading the way towards artificial intelligence that may not be so mindful in their spirituality, might not be so mindful in terms of how consciousness works outside of artificial intelligence. 
So do they understand the ramifications? Yes, they have great intentions, but do they understand the ramifications or the possible ramifications of what might happen? Here, I'm, and I'm being very straightforward. If we create a super intelligence, uh, we should be a little bit worried. They're going to be smarter than us. The reason why the human species has survived is because we are smarter than every other species. That is why. So this is going to be interesting. Well, I appreciate you, uh, you know, being willing to, to talk about it and, and uh, you know, be, be very open and, and, uh, and honest and uh, transparent about that because those are some pretty big issues. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, even even between people who hold respect for each other and, and I hold a tremendous amount of respect for you, um, you know, it's it can sometimes be even hard to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it can be hard to talk about these important, important, like very important things that the future of humanity is really going to be affected by without people getting mad at each other or, or not listening to each other. And it's like, well, how do you, how do you have a productive conversation that can then lead to productive action to actually like make progress here? So exactly. I just want to acknowledge you for, for being awesome and being able to, to talk about that. So last question for you today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I mentioned that I, uh, I'm, I'm 24 now. And the reason that I say that is because I want to ask, you know, I want to ask from my perspective and I would really appreciate an answer from your perspective, given my perspective. Right. Absolutely. Um, But what question should I be asking you that I just wouldn't think to ask? Oh, that you wouldn't think to ask. Wow. That's really putting me on the spot here. Cause you're, you're a pretty smart person. So you would ask these smart questions here. And I'm just trying to think what questions should you ask? You know, I, from your perspective, I'm not hundred percent sure, but you know, you're 24 years old. And so are you single? Do you have a family? Do you, I have a girlfriend. Okay. And yeah, but, and like, you know, family stills, like siblings, parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, like that. Yeah. I I think the question that you would ask is what should my role be as a man in society? And so if I'm going to answer that, it's really, what do you want your role to be? Have a clear and specific role and understand that your role has a ripple effect. And so the impact that you have, the way you live your life will not only impact your direct family, your next generation, but the generation after that as well. And I think that is the most important thing that every man should ask is what is my role and how is that going to impact the generations to come? That's very profound. And definitely have uh, some intense journaling to do after this. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that, for the brain food. Um, but pretty, but I, I just want to, again, thank you so, so much for coming on the show and, you know, being very open, being very willing to talk about this and, 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 and everything and talk about your, your thoughts, perspectives and, philo- and philosophies on, on life and business and uh, everything in between. So thank you very much.
Well, I truly want to thank you because I appreciate the opportunity to share my message and actually answer some of those great questions that you had. So thank you. And I will, you know, thank you again. And to everybody who is watching and listening, I want to thank y'all very, very much. Um, your time is very valuable. So I'm very grateful that y'all would choose to share some of it with us today. I love y'all very, very much from the bottom of my heart. Um, and I will see y'all on the next episode. Take care now.